I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. We are now in the middle of marathon training for a lot of these big fall races that are happening, like the Chicago Marathon, the Boston Marathon, which will take place in the fall this year, uh, the Berlin Marathon. There are just a lot of marathons that happen in the fall every year. Um, I think October is probably one of the most popular months to run marathons in the U.S., So with that being said, we are in the end of August right now. So a lot of people are in their peak marathon training. So they're getting up there in mileage and they're doing some of these long runs that are going to be anywhere between 16 to, I don't know, 22 miles. And those are some really long runs. And what happens during this time is runners will sometimes be comparing training on Strava or they'll be following a lot of running accounts on social media or Instagram and they start to see what other runners are doing. And I know a lot of runners fall into that comparison trap where they see other people who are training for that same race are doing a little bit of different variations to their training, right? Um, so I know I have been there myself as an athlete and uh, Coach Jason, who is here with me today, also has been there where you're playing that comparison game when you're training for the same race as someone else. Um, and so we just wanted to kind of uncover what these long runs might be looking like and why there are different types of long runs. So a lot of your long runs have probably been done at this easy long run pace. And so we define easy as two to three minutes per mile slower than your 5K race pace. So if you're someone who is running um, seven minute pace for a 5K right now, your easy pace for these long runs is going to be anywhere between nine and 10 minute pace, maybe even slower if it's a really hot and humid day. And so the majority of your long runs are going to be in that easy pace range. But what ends up happening is some athletes, as they progress into their marathon peak training and they really get into that specific portion of the marathon training cycle, is they may be adding in types of workouts into their long run, right? So you might start to see some miles that are a little bit faster than an easy pace, especially as we approach um, peak training for these marathons. And so a lot of confusion can sometimes arise when we all of a sudden see people running um, these faster long runs and we start to play that comparison game and maybe doubt um, our training, right? So we wanted to chat a little bit about those different types of long runs and maybe when it would be appropriate for athletes to add um, pace work into their long runs. So Jason, what 
do you have to say in when it comes to long runs? What is something that you prescribe to your athletes as kind of the bread and butter? Um, how does that easy long run really prepare you to race um, 26.2 miles at a faster pace? It's a great question. I like this topic a lot because there, you know, there's so many different um, methods and philosophies on long runs and how you, you know, how to approach them and how frequently you should add in, you know, faster than just easy running. And so uh, a lot of it boils down to obviously the athlete's background, their experience, um, their, you know, consistency, their weekly mileage, you know, how experienced they are too with, with uh, training and doing these longer runs, you know. Um, and when, you know, how, how frequent they are doing these sorts of, um, training cycles, like if it's back to back where they seem to be doing like, you know, one or two marathons a year, then it's a little bit more consistent from somebody who maybe takes a lot of time off and then comes back. So if I'm working with somebody who's, uh, running their first marathon, or maybe it's their first marathon in a while, like, you know, in a couple of years, rather, I would definitely start them with just a lot of easy long runs and mm -hmm. the focus would be primarily on running those um, with a negative split um, effort or at least um, you know mental focus to try to pick up the pace uh, as they go and so that way by the end they're maybe in the faster end of their easy range and so once they can do that consistently that shows me that they're maybe ready for um, you know some pace work in their long run yeah the progression is so important right so we have to consider where you are at individually as an athlete before we start talking about um, adding in like more difficult workouts right so you really want to assess your background as an athlete um, and ask yourself like is am i comfortable running 18 miles at an easy pace or am is that already a stress in and of itself because you don't want to be adding additional stress onto something that's already very stressful because then what will end up happening is you'll have to spend upwards of seven to 14 days recovering from that run and then you're going to be missing out on workouts that you could have been doing um, in those seven to 14 days that would have also prepared you maybe even better for the race. And so it is really important to remember that in the marathon, it is 99% aerobic. So the aerobic system um, is being used and development of the aerobic system is key for success, especially in marathoning. Um, this means that most of our easy long runs should be at this easy aerobic pace and it should be at the pace that's going to get you the most bang for your buck, right? We don't need to be going out at marathon pace um, for an easy long run. And while marathon pace is an aerobic pace, it is a lot harder on your body and on your muscular skeletal system than it is to run at that slower pace. And so if you're going to be getting the same physiological benefit when it comes to building your aerobic system, we really wanna do it at the pace that's going to be the less, the least amount of stress on your muscular skeletal system, right? So what does that mean? Um, that means that you'll, you'll have less chance for injury, right? So if you're just pounding your body and forcing it to go marathon pace for your long runs, what you may find in addition to being maybe a little bit burnt out would be that your body is just not able to recover as quickly after these long runs. You may also find that things are flaring up. You might notice um, you know, your IT band or just like any sort of injury that can happen is more likely to happen if you're pounding harder than you need to on these long run days. Um, but if an athlete is at the right level, let's say you've been doing these long runs for a very long time, you have a lot of experience in the sport um, and running 16 to 18 miles 
doesn't really take a lot out of you at this point, then it might be time to add in some pace specific work. And so we're not talking about doing the whole long run at marathon pace. It would just be small portions of that long run. And that's going to look different depending on where you're at, right? So the first time you maybe do these workouts, like you were saying, you might start with something like a progression long run. So you're starting at that very easy pace. So again, using the person who has that seven minute pace, 5K pace, we might say, let's start and do you know, the first hour at around 10 minute pace, very, very easy. And then that second hour, we're gonna work all the way upward to that, to getting to nine minute pace. And then at the very end, we're gonna see, can we get under you know, nine minute pace? Can we get up to marathon pace and see how you feel? So the idea is teaching your body how to negative split and progress as you go. Um, because in the marathon, the best way to pace is gonna be negative splits. And so it's nice to be able to practice that. And also when you do it in that manner, you're doing only a small portion of your run at that upper end aerobic pace, like marathon pace. So it's going to be less stressful and it's a good um, introduction to doing this sort of pace work. Yeah, really well said there. Um, you know, from that point to as, as a person can show that they're able to run those uh, progression runs, um, you know, kind of consistently, then we're gonna start to sprinkle in a little bit of like, what we would call steady state portions or chunks throughout the run, mm-hmm. um, which would be, you know, primarily marathon pace or about 20 to 30 seconds slower than marathon pace. Um, so you might introduce that in time chunks. So it might be like, you know, two or three by 10 minutes at, you know, your steady state, or it could be in mile chunks. It might be like two by two miles, something like that. Um, and that will give the athlete a little bit more control and um, focus during the run to, you know, obviously, um, plan when they're going to implement these, make sure they are, you know, hit using the lap feature, maybe on their watch, that sort of thing. So they can kind of track it and then be, be in uh, control and be working towards just dialing into that pace and mm-hmm. sticking there. Right. It's not like you're trying to, um, uh, you know, struggle through it. You're just trying to right. set cruise control and then make that feel really comfortable and easy so that mentally you can just coast for a while. So that's kind of like the progression of how we would start to introduce, you know, some workouts into your long runs. But, you know, I do have a number of athletes who still struggle to run, you know, negative splits um, on their long runs. And so, you know, obviously there's always going to be factors like the heat or hills or whatnot Mm -hmm. that we might take into consideration for like one specific run. But um, until it becomes somewhat of a pattern where, you know, you can run at least even to negative splits, you probably want to focus on that first. Right. I love how you talked about like that progression again, because sometimes it can take years for an athlete to really feel comfortable um, just running the distance. Right. So it's important to remember that endurance and the aerobic system takes a lot of time to develop. And that's why a lot of people will say, you know, wait to do the marathon um, until you've been running for there's all these little like guidelines Mm -hmm. out there. I don't really have any specifically because there's just so many goals within the marathon. You you may have to wait a while to be able to race a marathon and to really run to your full potential um, if, if you don't have a very developed aerobic system. It's just something that takes years and, and maybe even decades to develop. And that's why you see a lot of athletes, um, I mean, you look at any Olympic marathoning athlete, they, they spent decades developing their aerobic system, um, doing shorter distance events, and then moving up to the marathon once they already had such a high base mileage established. 
Yeah, and, and then something else that comes to mind too is about um, you know how you can kind of tell if you're ready to introduce faster work into your long runs is you know are you able to get through your easy long runs without having any setbacks and you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier about like it takes you so long to recover from them right. so are you able to still get in your weekly workout um because if not if you're having to kind of just push things back and you're barely recovering for the next long run um you know that's a sign that obviously we we, we want to continue to focus on strength but also just worry about um, slowing down on the, on the long run so we want them to feel comfortable um, once you're at a level where you can at least do like a one quality session during the week and then you're an easy long run on the weekend and you haven't had any you know injury flare up setbacks that sort of thing um, and you can do that consistently um, you know and again it's gonna depend on the runner and you know their training cycle and all of that but you may do your first marathon block with with no quality work in your long runs it might just be all easy runs it really just depends kind of who you are where you're coming from and that sort of thing so um, but typically you know when we talk about more advanced athletes we're trying to structure in you know like two quality sessions a week um, and then their long run on top of that but for some athletes it ends up being one quality session a week and then their long run might replace um, that second session if we're adding in some sort of like pace work right and so we follow that 80 20 principle so 80 percent of your weekly mileage should be at an easy pace and a maximum of 20% of your weekly mileage should be at a harder effort. And so that doesn't mean you have to do 20% of your mileage, it can be even less, right? So a lot of the times my own personal um, split will look something more like 90% easy and 10% um, harder effort. And that's really important to remember because when you are building these long runs, that in and of itself can be a stress. And so you might only have one quality workout session per week, and then you have your easy long run on the weekend and you're going two to three minutes per mile slower than your 5K pace for all of these easy runs, including your easy long run. Um, but just kind of segueing at this point, I think it's good to kind of address the running community as a whole. Um, just my personal observations and experience over the years. Uh, it's it's very interesting to watch other people train for the marathon, right? And this is where a lot of confusion can really start to come into play. Um, I know you used to be a run coach for a very big run club. Um, and oftentimes in the cities, we would get together and do, uh, you know, the capital run. And it's like a 20 miler ran on the Twin Cities Marathon course. Mm -hmm. um, hundreds of people would show up. They had pace groups and whatnot. Um, and just knowing the athletes and knowing their kind of ability levels and what their goals were for fall races, um, just my observations and what I know from the group, people would run these 20 milers at their marathon goal pace if not faster and then on race day they would maybe be a little bit um, confused or they'd, they'd run slower on race day than they did for these 20 milers and when you get yourself in these settings of group runs where your running partner has all of the same um, PRs as you and they're going way faster than you know that you should be going for your long run you kind of get caught up in that whole well, if they're doing it, it must be okay sort of thing. So what usually happens to athletes that fall into that category? And do you think there is a lot of like group think that happens in terms of group long runs or how does someone um, like avoid that situation? Because I know a lot of people do like to run with groups and they like the support. And I used to like to go because of the water um, yeah. tables that were set up. 
but I did find it extremely difficult mentally to stay within an appropriate pace range for myself. Right. Um, and every single year, I just would run with people who had the same marathon PRs as me. We'd go do this this run, and we were exhausted after, and then we'd go on marathon day, and we would run the same pace, if not slightly slower. Um, and I knew that we were running too fast on those runs, but when you're around other people who right. just physically are not slowing down, you kind of just, I don't know, you just get caught up in it. Yeah, you know, that, that particular run, you know, the, the capital run is always like three weeks out from the race, and so a lot of times you know, that's the time frame where most people are doing their longest and some, what some view as like their hardest or their uh, true test, right, um, run, where they have to make sure that they're ready and able to complete the distance three weeks later. And so, yeah, they, they do it on the course and they provide you with the, the hydration and the, the fueling stops and all of that. And, and there's a lot of great, you know, benefits to going there, but you need to make sure that you, um, you know, are going to run controlled and run, run, you know, figure out what your plan is and don't just, um, you know, run faster than you should. And so a lot of times when you, you were mentioning like running with, the, with people that have a similar PR <laughs> as you, you don't know what their training has been like for this training cycle. And so the, the training could look vastly mm-hmm. different from your own. And so if you just run together, you know, one of you could be really struggling. And so it's just, it's always nice to have a plan in, in, in place. And I think, yeah, I've seen it time and time going there right. and running it. I've worked it. I've, um, you know, and I think that some people that are a little bit maybe less experienced with their marathon, they're the ones that are going to be a little more apt to running it quick, quicker. Um, but, you know, it's it's all about just um, figuring out what is the purpose of going to those. Right. And if you are going to have there be some sort of, uh, you know, workout component added to that run, make sure you, um, you know, have it set kind of set in stone as you go in. So you set a speed limit for the first, you know, 10 miles or whatever it is, and then uh, just make sure that you are, um, you know, not going to deviate away from that and be tempted to do that based on, you know, what your surroundings and what's going on. Right. I mean, I just have so many thoughts um, on those sort of group runs, right? So some of the things you want to look at uh, to see, you know, is this, am I going too too hard on mm-hmm. these group runs if you're trying to self-evaluate here? Um, are you stopping to catch your breath at water stops? Are you stopping at water stops? Um, for extended periods of time because you are fatigued and you're looking for a break. Um, are you feeling like you know you're running a little bit too fast, but you want to test yourself or having like these these doubt yeah. thoughts? Um, are you trying to like control the pace in a way where you know your average pace is going to look like X Y Z? Um, a lot of these sort of like reflectionary questions can kind of get you to a place where maybe you're realizing, okay. Um, I am getting a little bit caught up in the moment here and I'm not doing what's best for my training specifically. And I think it's really important to remember, like you said, you don't know what the intentions of the people are around you that are at this event. You have no idea what their training has looked like and you have no idea how they're going to perform on race day. So just because someone else who is supposedly the same pace as you for on race day and everything um, is like gunning it and they're like going to race this thing. Um, this training run, it doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. And it doesn't mean that if they, they didn't follow, um, a more structured training and kept these long runs easier, that they would probably perform better if they were to make those adjustments to their training. But the reality is a lot of athletes, um, they don't follow a training plan, right? And they don't, uh, adhere to all of the rules of running people, um, run for various reasons. Right. And so a lot of people who listen to this podcast probably are running because 
they want to hit a performance goal or they want to reach their potential, right? So it's really important to remember those things in your head. And when the person next to you is running faster than you um, and they're usually much slower than you on race day, that's fine. Kind of let them do their thing. Like maybe this is what really gets them excited. This is the only thing that gets them out the door. Maybe they haven't ran in a whole week and this is their one run where they're just trying to, you know, have fun with it and go as hard as they can. Um, and that could literally be their intention at the race and, or not at the race, at the group run. And so it's really important for you to remember that everyone has different goals. Everyone is there for different reasons and not to kind of cast judgment or don't judge yourself and don't judge anyone else that are at these group runs, right? So staying true to what you know is appropriate for you, for your training. Um, and if you don't have that level of self-control, like let's say you've done these runs before and you just know that um, it's just not a good setup for you. Maybe finding a different option for that weekend. Maybe you don't go to group runs for the easy long easy long runs. Maybe you just meet them for track workouts or on race day. And you'd be surprised. A lot of people are pretty open to that. They don't, people um, will still accept you into the group, even if you don't go to all the long runs and whatnot. Um, but that being said, the whole idea with some of these group runs is run. All, <laughs> this is just the culture that I've experienced over my decade of running. It's run all of your long runs at marathon pace. Um, and so if you are in a group where that is the case, I would say let's Let's maybe not go to those group runs, especially not every weekend, because you're going to burn yourself out if you run at marathon pace. And on race day, you're probably not going to perform um, to your potential, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking back to that particular run, because we've been to it so many times over the years. You know, I've gone with good intentions and I've made the right choice where I maybe might know my fitness isn't there. So I'll turn around before I get to the, the normal turnaround point and I'll run less. Um, but I remember one year I decided, you know, I think my longest run was probably 17, 18 going into that. And I wanted to do the full 20 and then I did that. And then when I was getting back, I even decided I'm going to make this 21 because, you know, my last marathon training cycle, I, I only kept my long runs at 20. So you know, I need to do better this time around. And so just forcing it was something that I did. And then I ended up not even getting to do the marathon because I had a flare up. So it was like one of those things where the progression of whatever it is you're adding, if you're adding mileage or intensity to these runs, it needs to be very, very gradual and it needs yeah. to be done uh, very kind of carefully. Otherwise you can, you know, it's like, what's more important getting to the starting line, healthy, feeling good, or really riding that line and then not even feeling your best and then like struggling to even make it to the race. Um, and so a good rule of thumb that I always ask or remind myself is that you want to feel, you know, like you can recover quickly from this effort. And so, you know, whatever your longest run ends up being, you don't want to have to take a full week off. So you right. want to be able to bounce back and still get a quality session in, you know, like seven to 10 days later. Mm -hmm. It's really important um, to share these stories, not just to like, you know, reminisce, talk about ourselves, right? We're sharing right. these stories because these are things that happen to, I mean, even at the time you were the coach, right? You were the head of like the training, right? And then you went out and you just ran further than you should have, maybe a little faster than you should have mm -hmm. for a portion of the run. And so if this is happening to people that, you know, have experience or are like leading the group, imagine like what is happening to everyone in the group, right? So it's something that does happen um athletes really do like to push themselves and so it is hard to hold back especially in a group right. setting um especially when you want to like get faster and you're so eager to you know push yourself but it's important to remember that we want to save 
that for race day. We don't want to, you know, completely empty the tank or do overreach um, during a training run because like you said, um, it can lead to having to take a week off. You don't want to risk getting injured when you're in that peak marathon training. And so I always think it's best to, to cut things short, right? Like if things are starting to feel very fatiguing, like you cannot continue at that pace or you won't be able to finish the long run, you need to stop the run and stop running at that pace well before you get to the point where you physically cannot sustain it. So that's kind of my rule. So if I'm ever out doing a marathon pace run like portion within my run, if it starts to feel like I will not physically be able to run one more mile at marathon pace or that I'm gonna have to like stop and walk or like I have to catch my breath, that's how I know I'm like doing too much, right? And it would be really easy to do too much and to overdo it. Um, but if you hold back and you don't empty the well during all these workouts, you're going to be able to bounce back and build on this um, and feel better on race day. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, like you, I love how you just talked about like learning from our own experiences and how, you know, even, even coaches, even people that know sometimes get, right. get kind of carried yeah. away and they get lost in the adrenaline. And I think that's what I did those particular times was I just kind of relied so much on my talent and my experience and thought that that could get me ahead of the, the, you know, the, the recent work that had been done at the time that just wasn't there, that was lacking. And so I think it's really important to, um, you know, not, not going thinking I'm just gonna you know this is my true test or I'm gonna gain right. all this fitness from one particular run. Yep. We don't gain fitness from one workout. It's a compilation of um, work week in week out, and then you right. know those those gains hopefully will slowly start to come. Right, and I do think uh, for these long runs sometimes I'm sure like that long run where you overdid it, it was a matter of like getting a little bit caught up in those numbers. And sometimes when we're so right. hyper focused on oh I gotta hit this pace for this or I have to run at least X. Um, we start to kind of veer from like trusting the training and listening to our body, right? We start to get like obsessed with these numbers. I had an athlete um, this year who was kind of getting really wrapped up in the numbers. And at one point, you know, I think he was at probably like 54 miles for the week. And, you know, he's like, I, I really want to run 60 this week. Can I do it? And I was like, let's not, it's not worth the risk, you know, like don't, I do not recommend doing this. Um, but advice wasn't listened to and it ended up causing an injury where he was out of running for um, two or three months. So, and his rationale was, you know, it's just this one time right. and I'm feeling so good and it's not going to matter. And I go, all right, but it doesn't matter if you hit 60. Like it's literally a number. And like, are you willing to risk ever like everything you've built mm -hmm. to just hit this arbitrary number? Um, and he was like, it's just one time. Like it's not going to do anything. And then boom, like injury out of running for three months. Um, and so that, that is hard to, to see things like that happen. And I'm sure you can relate to that. I know that, you know, when you're talking about doing that one 20 right. miler that you did, it's like, oh, I just did like two extra miles at marathon pace that I maybe should have cut the workout short and I would have been fine. And that's how it goes sometimes. It's kind of like the game 21. It's like, once you go over, there isn't coming back from that. So it's really important to cut it short, especially when you're in a training run. Um, and not d explore what's beyond that point. Um, there's kind of like limits set in place for a reason. 
Um, and you do, it's just not worth jeopardizing. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, unfortunately we do have to learn the hard way as individuals because, you know, we think our situation or we might be different, but, you know, you just never know, like, and, until you've kind of gone through it, like how your body's going to respond. And so it's better to maybe always err slightly on the side of caution. And, you know, it's a great sign if you're feeling good uh, a couple days after your long runs. Right. I mean, that means yep. that you're recovering, you're adapting. Yes. And the, you know, the intended purpose is really being met. But if, if you're really struggling to um, recover, that could be a sign that we maybe even jumped up too quickly in the yeah. mileage or that you're running slightly too fast. So just kind of reevaluating like, okay, well, maybe we should stick with, you know, this same distance again or even cut back yes. this week. And so I think if you're someone that's, you know, you're a lot more like flexible with your training, that's going to suit you so much better than someone that's super fixated on the numbers like you were talking about earlier like i have to hit this weekly mileage goal yes. or, or i gotta get up to 18 this week because i did 16, 16 last, last week, week. and yeah. it's like well yeah but it you it the 16 destroyed you right. so it's like it's yes. best to kind of you know come back down and that's where working with so many athletes um you know we can have the, that dialogue and help them sort of learn like how to make those adjustments and you know a lot of times i, I will let them ultimately decide sometimes and they'll make the right choice, which is nice to see. But I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say, hey, do you want to swap and do a cutback long run this week? Because you know, you mentioned that you have this going on with your kids and your job, and so if stress is a little bit higher already this week, we don't want to add more stress um, by doing a longer run. And so, you know, just being really flexible, I think, is the key. Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of factors that go into training. Um, so when it comes to the kind of like the bread and butter of marathon training, I think that easy long run is going to be the number one, right? So you want to be going two to three minutes per mile slower than your 5k pace. Um, and for those of you who don't run 5k's, that's going to be about like one to two minutes per mile slower than your marathon pace. Um, and you can find all of these values out by going to the Jack Daniels VDOT calculator, plugging in a recent race result. I suggest using something that's shorter in distance. Um, and just see what it says for your marathon pace. And it may be true that you look at that number um, and you go, I cannot run that pace for a marathon, right? So I know, Jason, when you kind of plug in or back in the day when you were just getting into marathoning and you were very fast at the mile and the 5K because of your track um, background, you were someone who never had ran over you know, 13 miles at a time. So you weren't really in marathon shape. And so what sort of times did these VDOT calculators say that you could run in the marathon? And when you looked at that, how did you make adjustments and how did you know, okay, like this isn't realistic for me. I want to set a more sustainable goal because I think sometimes when people go in to plug their 5K into the Jack Daniels calculator, the marathon pace it spits out can be extremely intimidating. So when they're looking to add in marathon pace work into their training, um, they think there's no way I can do that. So how does someone adjust? Yeah, um, you know, back when I was pretty fit out of college and whatnot, you know, my 5K PR based on that, you know, those calculators would tell me I could run, you know, a little bit under 230 in the marathon or high 220s, which which sounded crazy. You know, I, I hadn't even ran a half yet. Even my first half wasn't on pace for that, um, which was 73 minutes. But it was, you know, at least on track for like a 240. And so I would just kind of take, you know, based on my halftime, I would kind of adjust my training paces that way and go off of that. Um, but yeah, that that gold or that marathon pace that it tells you, um, 
you know, when I, so for me, let's say it was six minute pace. Um, I would always have my steady states be like 6.20 to six minute pace in that range. So that way I could allow myself a little bit of, um, you know, breathing room to not worry. And then obviously, you know, if you're training, you know, in the heat too, you got to think about the adjustment and then you got hills and all of that. And so, um, for me, I always think of those times as like ideal training conditions right. or like on flat courses and cool weather and all that. So it's, it's same with the threshold value too. So, um, that's kind of how I would, you know, adjust training, but right. yeah, you know, what we know about those, the race equivalents is that the marathon is probably the most difficult one to hit for most people right. because it requires, um, a lot of like just training and time mm-hmm. on your feet and experience and you're not getting as many attempts to run that distance as you are a shorter race like a 5k so um and then it takes your body longer to recover too so um it can be you know it can be very difficult and it can it can really wear you down if you're seeing right. these times that you're so far from right like you know if you do a two mile time trial and it says oh my gosh i can run a marathon at you know 340 but my my marathon pr is only 430 it's like um, I'm a long ways from that. So how do I get there? And, you know, not getting so wrapped up in like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta at least break four. Like, no, let's just focus on like, on uh, putting in the work and feeling strong. And then the times will sort of take care of their, themselves. And then through your experience, hopefully your time will, will progress. And it's not always going to be linear, right? right? You might do a race that's got terrible weather or it's really challenging terrain or whatever. And so, um, you just have to take, you know, any positive that you can, that you're, you're, a compilation of all your training, all your miles are eventually going to add up. Right. And I think another factor in addition to obviously the race conditions and all that stuff play a factor into how you're going to perform on race day. But, you know, even in your case or in my own case, there have been many times where, you know, when you look at that V dot marathon pace and it tells you what time you can run in a marathon, that is if you have like an incredible base going into it and you literally put like everything on the line for training so that's doing every workout that is hitting weekly mileage like every week running 100% to your potential just like being as solid as humanly possible and what I think is hard for people is to maybe admit like okay yeah my training wasn't like that on point or I didn't really train like as much as I could or when I came into training I didn't really have a strong base or when I came into training I wasn't even in the same shape that the the time I plugged into this calculator was and so it can be really hard to admit these things but I think really being honest with ourselves taking a look at where did we start training right so did we have a base were we in the shape of the time we're putting into that calculator. Um, And then asking yourself, like, how did training go, right? Like, were you running peak mileage that you need to hit that time? Um, Were you coming back from an injury? Did you have flare-ups? Like, were you consistent? How was your nutrition, right? Like, were you doing every little thing that you can? Like, were you getting the sleep you needed? Were you hitting your paces? Were you being honest with training? There's so many reflection questions that I think are really important. because the bottom line is sometimes when you go into marathon race day, you ne- don't necessarily have to shoot for the time that the VDOT calculator is saying, right? So you really want to be looking at your training. And that's why I like to use the word steady state mm-hmm. when we're talking about marathon, because it's easier for me as a coach or as an athlete to say, okay, I want you on this long run to do eight miles easy, And then just do like two by three miles at this steady state effort. 
and I want you to visualize what you're gonna feel like in the marathon, what pace is sustainable for the marathon, and I want you to just have a feel for what that might feel like. Um, so it's a steady state. And then you do a little bit of a cool down recovery in between and all that stuff. And it allows your body to kind of dictate, okay, I think this is what's sustainable for me. And so what you may find is that your marathon pace is right on track with what VDOT says. Um, you may also find it's 15 seconds per mile slower, 20 seconds per mile slower, 30 seconds per mile slower. But the idea is that you're getting comfortable with that visualization and with the goal in itself. And so I think that's a really good time now that we're in the end of August to start adding in stuff like that, to start visualizing if you have any pace portions of you know steady state or marathon pace work from now until your marathon to ask yourself when you're doing marathon pace, does this is this how I wanna feel on race day? How would I wanna feel at mile like 10 of a marathon right now? Um, what is gonna be a realistic goal for me? And those are things that you can really be reflecting on and thinking of when you're running instead of hyper focusing on the watch and being like oh i really need to hit this like 804 right. per mile because that's what jack daniel said um it's better to kind of pace within yourself and to allow your body to be comfortable setting that pace and you feel comfortable with what that pace is going to feel like yeah i really liked how you talked about just like visualizing during those um you know, that marathon pace effort in your long run and giving yourself sort of that steady state range and then kind of learning through, you know, a few different workouts, like what feels the right for right. me. And, you know, as we start talking about kind of the different types of workouts to add in beyond just setting cruise control for three mile blocks or whatever, um, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll add in some workouts where, you know, that are a little bit more advanced where the recovery is at steady state pace so that the athlete gets even more of an opportunity to focus on, um, sort of mentally reminding themselves like, oh, this pace is actually a relief from what I was just doing, so I can sustain this, you know? And so it just helps with, um, yeah, that confidence that you need going into a marathon. But visualization is really huge, really important. Um, and, you know, you shouldn't hopefully, seeing steady state work, uh, chunks of work in your long run, that shouldn't get you nervous before a long run. It should be something that you're fully confident in being able to complete. If it is something that is worrisome to you, then it, it could be a sign that it's a little too early or that right. it's just a little bit too much mm -hmm. um, for that first or second you know, workout. So just giving it, introducing it, I guess, in small doses, making sure that you can, you know, you can um, execute with confidence and, and um, recover quick. Right, so we talked about doing <laughs> runs where you're going to do some marathon pace work within a long run so on a 16 mile long run that might look like something like six miles easy warm-up then you're going to do maybe four miles at marathon pace one mile easy maybe three or four more miles right. at marathon pace and then an easy cool down to get to that total and the idea there would just would be to again just have your body set in cruise control figure out what that pace is going to be for you and get experience running at that pace in a long run. Um, and then that's also a really good opportunity to focus on a fueling strategy so that you can yes. practice fueling at marathon pace. So during those marathon pace miles, maybe it's a good time to take those gels, get used to fueling at marathon pace miles. Um, in addition to doing some of those marathon pace miles, and these would be something that you would progressively build towards. So most athletes are probably not going to do 
more than one or two of these long runs in a month where you're doing pace work, right? We still want to kind of prioritize that deloading week once a month. And we also want to have just at least one easy long run in a month. So you're going to do maybe one or two of these marathon pace type workouts if you're ready for it. If not, you're just going to stick to all the easy miles. And your first one might be something like a cutback long run. So let's say your longest run has been 16 miles. The first time we introduce this marathon pace stuff, we might do it on a 13 mile run um, so that it's not, you know, like the furthest distance you've ever ran, uh, just to give your body like a little bit of an extra break. So it's always that like stress balance, right? We don't want to like completely overdo it. So on that 13 mile run, you might just do two by two mile at marathon pace somewhere in there and so you want to just keep in track of that's four miles at marathon pace so on your next run maybe you do it in a 15 miler and instead of going the four miles maybe you're going to go five or six and so that might look like something like two by three mile right then you do it three weeks later and you're, you're gonna do it at like a 16 17 miler this time and now instead of going five or six you can go maybe eight, right? And maybe this time you'll do the full eight. Maybe you'll break it up by four by two mile, two by four mile. It just really depends, right? So you never wanna like completely jump. You wanna build progressively as you go. Um, and I really think like the maximum that you would ever need to do would probably be 10 to 13 miles. And that would be something that you would build to if you're at a right. very advanced level. I think doing like five miles, six miles of work is plenty for most athletes doing this for the first time. Yeah, I agree. You know, most athletes don't need to go much over like eight miles straight through at marathon right. pace. Um, you know, every occasionally more advanced athletes that have done several marathons, you know, they might want to find like a half marathon or, or a 10 mile race and then do that at marathon effort just because it's, you know, got the supported stops and everything. And it gives them a chance to practice the pre-race routine and fueling and all of that. But um, yeah, I think that, you know, you can be really creative in how you structure these chunks and and then too like the placement of them within your long run too so like you could you could have it be earlier in the run so then you have like a really longer cool down but i'm i'm a fan of having it later in the run so you're sort of running it on kind of tired legs already so you might have like an eight mile warm-up before you even start the the first steady state chunk and so yeah i think there's you know quite a few ways to structure these types of runs Right. And then another thing that we can talk about mm. as we're getting there. So we talked a lot about doing these marathon pace segments within a long run. So easy run is the, the bread and butter. Mm. Then the next step would be maybe doing a slight progression. See if you can do negative splits on a long run. Can you start slower, finish faster? Once you kind of reach that checkpoint and you feel fine the next week, uh, maybe we can add in some marathon pace work, um, starting with those segments, progressively building. In addition to that, there's more advanced workouts that you can even do within a long run. So I would think alternating um, miles at marathon pace and easy pace throughout the run is is another example. Um, you know, for really advanced, you could add in some threshold work. That would be something that I would think you would do after you've kind of mastered um, doing some marathon pace work within a long run. So kind of talk a little bit about that alternating um, marathon pace. Yeah. Run. Yeah. Like you said, you know, once you've, you've been able to kind of master these other concepts we've been talking about, if you're ready for some alternating pace work, like especially 
adding faster work than, than marathon pace, a good introduction would be like, you know, two or three miles of alternating between like half marathon and marathon pace. So for a lot of people that might only be like a 20 to 30 second difference uh, between their half pace to their marathon pace, um, for some it might be more, it might be like 40 seconds. So, you know, that gives you a chance to kind of dial in and then recover on the marathon effort. Um, so again, you can kind of insert those wherever in the run and that might even come after like a two or three mile steady state run so it might be like a two mile at steady state and then you might introduce like three miles of alternating um and so for me that would kind of like be the next gradual progression of of adding a workout to a long run for an athlete um and then yeah i mean from there it it just kind of depends on you know how much time we have before your cycle how many training blocks you've done all these other factors and then you can even add in some um, little surges like you know for a flat course a lot of times you can um, it can be a mental challenge to just fall into like a lull during a marathon so mm. if you add in just like a minute surge like at maybe like a 10k effort and then you yes. can recover at marathon effort for like four minutes or five minutes that's another kind of unique way to introduce and sprinkle in like um, some alternating pace work so I would call that like a surge long run so those are kind of fun too once you're at a certain level and you're you've kind of mastered the other um, types of workouts that we've been talking about. Right, definitely. Or doing, you know, like a surge at the beginning of every mile or whatever it may be. There's a lot of of variations you can do when it comes to marathon-specific work. But I do find that, you know, just that progression from going from easy runs to progression runs, that could take a couple of years to even get there. And then going from that to adding in marathon-specific pace work, um, that could also take a couple of years. And then once you've been at that for a while, then maybe going to that next step. Um, one last thing I wanted to add when it comes to doing long runs that I think we've talked about on previous episodes, but doing runs, like if you're training for a hilly course, for example, people training for Boston, people are always like, what are your Boston marathon tips and stuff like that. It's really important to do these things on hills. Um, and to really utilize hills around you. And I think even when you're training for flatter marathons, there is some benefit to doing your long runs um, on you know some rolling hills just to get some strength in the leg to help you with varying your pace. Um, because if you can run fast on hills, you can run even faster on flat, right? So there is that whole benefit to it. Uh, but it is really important to train specifically to the course that you're doing. So if you're doing... Um, marathon pace work and you're training for the Boston Marathon, we would want you to do um, the steady state or marathon pace effort on rolling hills because Boston is rolling hills. And so you're not doing yourself any favors by simulating the marathon on pancake flat um, if you go to do like Boston or Philly, I know has some rollers. Um, Just know your course and know what you're training for because that's extremely important. Yeah. And then to know that you're it's okay if you're on the slower end of your, you know, steady state pace or whatever, because you're, you're basically just running off effort of what marathon effort should feel like. So if you've got some hills in there, it's going to be a little bit slower. And then one other thing that comes to mind when we're talking about getting into like that late summer, early fall, a lot of times the weather can shift. Like one weekend, it might be like 80 the next weekend. It might be like 58 in the morning when you're doing your run. So, um, not getting too like carried away with these. Um, a lot of times you're going to feel great if you get a cooler day. And so, not like pushing it too fast or going too far like we talked about earlier and that was probably one of the issues with that capital run it was always like september like mid-september and and that was usually one of like the first cooler weekends here not always but um so just kind of being aware of like how you might feel great doing 
you know, your two by three mile steady state one week, but a few weeks later, it might feel awful or vice versa. It might've felt awful when it was hot and now it's feeling super easy. So don't allow that to, you know, ruin your focus or your confidence about whether or not you can handle the marathon pace work because it can it can change just in a matter of weeks yeah definitely super important point to remember so don't take any of these as like reflections of where your fitness is at right so you're the compilation of your entire training not just one single run so don't get too cocky from any one long run and don't don't let any one long run just completely destroy you mentally um you're the compilation of all of the training so even if you had one that went amazing um that doesn't really necessarily mean anything and if you had one that went horribly it doesn't really necessarily mean anything either right so it all adds up and we all have the hard ones we all have the the super great ones too um so it's just really important to keep all of those things in mind when you're going to setting goals and when you are just trying to stay mentally in it in the thick of marathon training because i know this is a really hard time for a lot of runners. Um, we do a lot of runner confessions on our Instagram page. And one of the common ones that is coming through is, you know, I'm feeling burnt out. I have eight weeks to go. I'm just feeling really run down. And so if you're feeling that way, you're, you're not alone. I would suggest maybe cutting back a little bit on the mileage. You want to feel good going into the marathon, right? So it's better to maybe do a little bit less. It's better to be undertrained than overtrained if you're someone who is kind of on that overtraining edge. Um, and if you are someone who maybe hasn't been training like you wanted to, um, you still do have time to kind of ramp things up. Um, but that being said, let's do a progressive overload. Let's not do anything too crazy. Right. Um, even if 12 has been your longest run so far, you can still get in like a 14, 16 and you'll have no problems finishing a marathon with a 16 mile long run. I know that maybe sounds, um, a little crazy, but definitely doable and like i always like to make this comparison um people do 100 mile ultra marathon so 100 miles in you know one day 24 hours 36 hours however long it takes but Mm -hmm. um you know some people do them in gosh i don't even know like what 16 hours yeah yeah. something crazy like that but um you know they say if you do it under 24 hours it's like super respectable right so anytime you're running 100 miles is super respectable but they're doing it in one run 100 miles right so you got to ask yourself what does the training look like right Um, and what the training typically looks like is 22, you know, 30 mile long runs. And so how you might ask, how is it possible to run hundred miles? Um, in, if you've only trained up to 30, well, you know, 30% of their run is Mm -hmm. in one run. So you ask yourself, well, like what's 30% 26.2? Um, it's definitely going to be less than 16 miles. So you're, you're just as trained, if not more trained than these people who are going out there doing that crazy stuff. Um, eventually it does become like a mind over matter thing. Right. Um, and I've had several friends who have done hundred mile ultra ultras say to me, Oh, if you can run 26.2, you can do a 50 miler. And I'm like, you're insane. Right. So <laughs> it's a, it's a different type of mindset, but I, there is some truth to that, that after a certain point. So if you are someone that can run up to 13 miles or 14 miles, it's like after a certain point, it is more on that mental side. If you have the, um, the background, the aerobic base and all that stuff, it does become more mental than it is physical. But that being said, it does kind of increase your risk for injury doing those long runs over three hours. And so that's why it's important to not, you know, do marathons all the time because it can increase your risk for injury, right? Um, Doing those runs over three hours. And that's why we take two weeks off after the marathon to let our body really recover from that, uh, that beating on the body. So do you have any last minute things to say, tips for people who are doing their long runs? 
Um, you know, I was just thinking about the people that maybe listen to this that that aren't in a marathon training block right now. And so mm-hmm. just thinking ahead to like maybe your next train cycle or maybe you're training for like a half because you took a bunch of time off, you know. And so just, um, you know, um, say this, bring, come back to it, but really just think about your whole training as a progressive build. And so you never want to just jump up like you were saying, but if you if you add a mile or two a week, you know, that sort of thing, that's going to be that's going to be a little bit um, more feasible for you. Um, but yeah, hopefully you were able to take some, some good away from this, this topic. I know there's a, it's a lot of fun kind of paths or avenues that we can turn on and talk about, but for me, it it boils down to like the mental mindset and just being like flexible. So if you're a numbers person, you're super rigid and putting these expectations on yourself, you know, that, um, there are some benefits of that, but don't, you need to be able to, um, just zoom out a little bit and think about um are you setting yourself up for success not only with this current training cycle but your future so um yeah it should be an exciting fall you know a lot of the the major races hopefully will stay back and and be back so um we'll see and hopefully we get some cooler weather yeah definitely and i think these are all really good points to think about and there is so much to this that sometimes it can be really overwhelming listening to us talk about it and trying to figure out the rules for yourself and each situation can be so unique, right? So some people, it's like they haven't ran more than 12 miles. Some people have been doing 20 milers and now they're feeling burnt out. There's just so many unique variables that go into your background, your training, your goals, that sometimes it can just be better to get a personalized plan and to be able to work with a coach who really knows your background and your goals, who can set up something that's really specific to you to help you reach your goals. And so that's what we do here at run for prs We are a run coaching company. We have... 10 coaches who help runners of all abilities reach their goals. And we love helping people train for the marathon as well as all of the other events. So if this is something you're interested in, it's just getting, you know, like a free week trial to see what is this run coaching all about? How can it help me? You can visit our website at www.runforprs.com and fill out the form on our website. Again, that's www.runforprs.com for a free seven day run coaching trial. Thanks for tuning in.